0: And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com. As always, make sure you're stopping down at the Banks. Almost baseball season. Nice weather, Dora. Get yourself down to the Holy Grail and support our good friends and longtime sponsors at the Holy Grail at the Banks. They will get you taken care of. Great food, a lot of cold drinks, a lot of uh enjoyable times had at the Holy Grail, so make sure When you are down that way, you are stopping by. And support the people that support Bearcat Journal. All right, let's get this show on the road. We have a special guest tonight. This is uh, one that Dave Simone has been looking forward to for a long time. And I always love a good chance to catch up with my guy, Doug, as well. We are joined by Cincinnati's head golf coach. The man David Simone claims is the best coach in the Linder Center. A- athletically, you that, David, I, I, most,
1: I, I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: most, most storied
2: career that I'm not sure a lot of our listeners quite know the details about. Well, a lot of that He's golf blushing was already years ago.
1: <laughs> hey, it still happened, man. Yes, it did. It did happen. I, I had a, I had a tremendous time playing this game and unfortunately, uh, back injury, uh, kind of set me back, but what I'm doing now, I probably wouldn't exchange, um, any of my golf for what I'm doing right now. I really love coaching this team. I love um, being an ambassador for the university of Cincinnati, its golf program and athletic department, and just very fortunate to, uh, to have a great, great program here at Cincinnati.
0: Well, we're going to get into all the, uh, the fun details uh, as we go here. But uh, first off, just uh, for the people that don't know, for the people that maybe are are wanting to get a little bit more interested in the UC <clears throat> golf team, Tell them a little about yourself and how you ended up at UC and how you've you've built this program into one that uh, is ready for a, a very big year in 2023.
1: Well, really, um, you know, going back all the way to my junior golf career, I was um, blessed to have a great junior golf career as the number one ranked junior in the country, um, was basically recruited by every golf program in the country. Um was fortunate enough to, to go to the University of Oklahoma, and at the time I chose Oklahoma, Oklahoma was kind of an up-and-coming program and really hadn't had great success on the national level, but a couple guys that were older than me that I'd played some junior golf with kind of interested me in going to Oklahoma. Uh, we ended up finishing third, second, second, first my four years in the NCAA championship, winning it my senior year um just was an unbelievable unbelievable experience there. I'm a huge sports fan and back in the late 80s with <clears throat> Billy Tubbs coaching the basketball team and Barry Switzer coaching the football team, we we had a hell of a run in football and basketball and also as well in golf and once I finished up at Oklahoma, I went on to play the PGA Tour for 9 10 years, retired in 2001 with with a back injury. And really um <clears throat> Had had been living in Cincinnati when I played on the PGA Tour. Love love the town of Cincinnati. It's a great place to raise a family, and I I really enjoy the the seasonal changes and the the opportunity came available to um, start working with the men's golf program um, and taking it over. We were somewhere ranked 240 to 260 in the country, and I think there's 300 men's golf teams. Really, the program was not in a very good place. <clears throat> When I took the job, I made a commitment to try to make this a program that people in our community and people at the university could be proud of. And, you know, here we are 17 years later, and um, after we finished the fall season, we were ranked 29th in the country. Uh, To go from where we were to where we are now has been a tremendous amount of work, but I wouldn't trade the time that I've had working on this for anything
2: You glossed, away, Dave, over, this is,
0: you, you glossed this is over your, this a little your...
2: bit of the career. I mean, you, you, you were <laughs> the number one amateur player in the country in 1989. Yep. Five individual titles in Oklahoma. Finished second to some guy named Phil Mickelson in the NCAA championships. Like, yes, you played on a good team, but you were a very, very good player yourself on that team. Well, I, I, I understand that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very humble and
1: I'm very grateful for everything that I've accomplished in the game. And so it's, uh, it's been so long ago since I've done those things, I've probably forgotten a lot of it.
2: (laughs) Well, I just felt like, you know, people need to know, you know, we, we hear a lot about usually, you know, the basketball or football coach and their athletic endeavors, but yours is right up there. And, and I think, uh, you know, being in those situations probably is a big help when you, when you coach kids that are trying to get to that same level. There's a lot of uh, experience you can impart on them. Well, there's,
1: there's no question. And I, and I will tell you, it's one of the things that I've used in the recruiting process in trying to get kids to come to Cincinnati is when I went to Oklahoma, you know, yeah, they were a top 25, top 30 program in the country, but they weren't contending for national championships. Oklahoma state, Texas, and some of these other schools that I visited, they were already there. And I just really felt like I wanted to be a part of something that was being built. And I've sold this to a lot of recruits and, you know, we're finally starting to cash in on some of these young players. And, and even with the excess success that we had in the fall, we are extremely young as a program,
2: extremely young. So let's, let's start there. You know, in college golf, there's a fall and spring season. You mentioned earlier he got up to as high as 29th golf week golf stat rankings, which I'm going to assume that's by far the highest the program's yes yeah. ever been. Mm-hmm. Won two events, one in, t- in Tennessee, the one the Bearcat Invitational, and I, I can't go without saying that uh, you beat Xavier by 45 strokes in the Bearcat Invitational. So you know, good good job there, but just kind of the fall season, how you felt, how you thought the guys did and kind of where you're looking to go now, moving into the spring with the yeah. success that you guys had, you know, well, in, I, I, in I September it, and October.
1: I think it all starts with, um, you know, our three upperclassmen. Um, two of them are contributing on the golf course in Sam Jean and Ty Gingrich. Um, the foundation and and how they played the entire fall semester just gave us two guys that you could count on every single day. And then the third members, Cole Harris, who is, will be graduating this spring has been a tremendous leader and really has been a guy that really helped welcome our freshmen to our program. And I'm not taking anything away from Ty and Sam, but Cole has really taken the responsibility (laughs) of really helping these freshmen. But, you know, looking back on the fall, you know, starting off, we go to Wisconsin. We go to Wisconsin. Our first tournament, the first round, gets rained out. Um, we've got a senior, we've got a junior, we've got a sophomore, and two freshmen in the starting lineup. So, as a coach, it's like, okay, what what are we going to expect here? And you know, hard to believe, but in early September, the weather was just absolutely miserable in Madison, and the conditions were <clears throat> extremely cold, tough, windy. We ended up finishing, I think, fifth, sixth, something like that, tying Ole Miss and South Carolina and Marquette. And it was just, you know, anytime you play a shortened tournament where you play 36 instead of the 54 holes, the field becomes very condensed. And and that was obviously a good concern starting off. And then um, I think after that, we went to, uh, did we go to come back and have the Bearcat or did we go to Wake yeah, first? I think you went Bearcat then. Bearcat then Wake. And, you know, anytime, anytime you come home and you play on your home turf, you know, golf is such a fickle game, even though you're playing on the home, your home turf, sometimes it isn't always an advantage. But the golf course was set up fantastic. Coldstream is such a great venue. Ty and Sam both had an unbelievable back nine. I think they shot four and five under respectively on the back nine. Closed out, closed out the deal. Um, First time we've won our home tournament at Coldstream. Huge momentum, huge momentum for us. And then after that, we went to uh, Winston-Salem and played Wake Forest at at Wake Forest. Uh, Again, I think it was a fifth, sixth finish. Pretty solid. Uh, Left a lot out there, I thought. A little bit of a disappointing, a little bit of a disappointing week coming off the victory. But then we went down to East Tennessee, Johnson City, another place that we've never played before. And East Tennessee State has a great golf program, and they're extremely difficult to beat on their home golf course. And we went down and played really pretty solid the first two rounds. Didn't do a whole lot with it, but we were in position. I think we were – there were three teams that were tied for the lead, and I think we were in fourth. And so we didn't play in the last group. So I talked to the guys about going out and getting off to a fast start. And you know the that golf course, the first five six holes you could get off to a fast start, and sure enough, our guys got off really fast. And you know, with all the coaches having you know the, the live scoring on their phones, they were able to see you know us making a move from the backside. And once we got the lead, we never, relinqu- never relinquished the lead, and just really finished the tournament strong. I remember. Uh, Wyatt Plattner hitting a great shot in 18, Ty Gingrich birding 17, which is probably the hardest hole in the golf course. So we really finished, finished that tournament extremely strong. And then to, to close out the fall, we went down to Quail Valley in Florida with a great, great field, a lot of really, really good teams there. Played pretty solid for the first 36 holes, but really were, you know, not in a – we were kind of in the middle of the field. Uh, I think we were 13 under for the first 36 holes and really were just, you know, trying to figure out a way how we could play well in the last round. And we had uh, William McDonald and <clears throat> Ryland Uh William's a transfer from Arkansas who's a sophomore and Ryland's uh, from Northern Kentucky. He's a freshman. They kind of paved the way for us. We shot 17 under in the last round. Ended up, I think, losing to North Florida.
2: Can't remember who else we lost to. Michigan, lost. Michigan State, Michigan State. Two, Michigan, I was looking yeah, at your 30, guys' scores. You shot yeah. two seventy one, which is awesome, and then they shot two sixty five. I was like, yeah. "Holy crap!" No, it, was,
1: it was crazy. So they came from, they came from back to back. But that that was a great week for us. We, we beat a lot of really good teams. Closing the fall shooting seventeen under your last round of the semester was was great. And so, you know, that was that was really um, just a great way to finish out the fall season and, and finish a tournament the way we finished it. And, you know, it's kind of springboarding us into the spring semester. Uh, we have had an unbelievable off season. We had guys that played in tournaments all through the winter, which was, which was great, keeping them fresh. We have had the ability to take three practice trips this uh, between the end of January and right now. And I think our guys are um, sharp, and I think they're ready to go. Um, We haven't competed in roughly a month and a half to two months, so there's going to be some rust there, probably just getting back into the competitive mode. But our spring schedule is set up extremely well for us. Uh, We play 71 teams this spring. I think 56 of those teams are ranked in the top 100, and I think 40 of those teams are ranked in the top 70. So we've got a great schedule. We get to play Vanderbilt, who's the number one team in the country right now. Auburn's number two in the country. We get to see them twice. We see Tennessee, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, really have a tremendous schedule
2: in front of us for this spring. You mentioned Sam and Ty kind of being your your stalwarts, and those guys had an incredible fall, both – stroke averages in in 69, and both top, you know, Sam's top 40 player in, in the nation, Ty's top 60. Like, what does that do for your team as just a whole when you have two guys, you're, you're putting five out there, you're taking four scores, and just you have two guys that you kind of, for the most part, you have just uber confidence that they're going to post something really good and, and let the other guys kind of feed off of that. Yeah. Well,
1: I think, I think when you're looking at those two guys, you've got one guy that's in his fifth year in the program and one that's in his fourth year in the program. One of the things that our program really has been about is the development of players over the course of their career. Um, You know, I kind of look back to what Mick did when Mick was here. You know, I think at Trey Scott, when Trey Scott walked on campus, I mean, he couldn't shoot a free throw above the rim. You know, he shot it underneath the rim and just the the, that's kind of what I've kind of taken on our program to where our goal is to really have our guys playing their best golf of their career as they're finishing up here, which then that gives them an opportunity to decide if they want to play the game professionally. And and we've got a a bunch of guys that have moved on and are trying to play the game professionally, which that's an extremely hard um, path to follow. But um, I'm just grateful that we have a lot of guys doing that. But, you know, back to Sam and Ty, you know, just they've been great role models for our young guys because every single day they bring it to practice. Whether we're conditioning with Hong Tran, our trainer, or we're at Coldstream practicing, they bring energy every single day. And they've been a great role model for our younger guys to really look up to and learn. And those two have been uh, amongst a lot of other players, but those two have done a tremendous job in helping me build the culture we currently have.
2: When you when you go into golf recruiting, you know we know a lot about football recruiting and basketball recruiting, and you have all these camps in the summer. And whether it's AAU or on the football side, how does that work for golf? Are you going to to big amateur events? Are you going to see guys playing in high school? Like, how do you and your assistant kind of yeah. handle recruiting your your players? Yeah, pr-
1: primarily um, we do the majority are are recruiting in the summer. So there's, there's a golf, the American junior golf association, the AJGA is the, the biggest junior golf organization in the country. And they have, once you get to about April, they have three or four tournaments every single week spread out around the country. And so we initially start with a database of players that we kind of start with Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Florida, Texas, Georgia, we kind of look at different places here. North Carolina is another place. um, And we kind of collect the database of roughly a hundred players. And then we follow those players and we get updates to our phone whenever they're playing in a tournament. And so not only do we follow their scores, we follow their national ranking, we follow their trending. And once we kind of establish that group of 25 that we really focus in on, and go out and we start to watch. And really what we're watching is, does this player fit what we're doing? How are they fundamentally? Do they have a good golf swing? Do they have a good short game? Um, how do they handle themselves on the golf course? Um, so we're really focusing in on doing a whole package. Then we have them in for a visit and um, we have an opportunity to talk to them and their parents and you know, recruiting golfers it, the, the the level of these kids that we're bringing in is just crazy. And I, I've i kept a list of the kids that we've recruited that have gone other places. And you've got an Austin Greaser was basically down to us in North Carolina. He just finished. He lost in the finals in the U.S. Amateur a couple of years ago to James Piot. You know, Will Grimmer, Daniel Wetterick. There's a bunch of kids that we've recruited that have gone on to play other places. And I think we're starting to trend in an area to where it's like these kids can see themselves being really successful here. Moving to the big 12 is going to only help us with our recruiting. Um, We're already seeing that we're, we're in a position with um, a couple kids right now, one from Florida and one from New Jersey that, that we really like in the 24 class that really, um, you know, to think that we could get a Florida kid to come to Cincinnati and we got our first one in Wyatt Platner And and Wyatt
2: Platner is going to be a freak before he's done here. You, I, I was going to get to it, but you brought up the Big 12. They have five teams in the top 25 right now. Have perennially been one of the best golf conferences in the country. Just from your guys' standpoint, obviously, you know, you don't play – big 12 teams, like kind of like football, basketball, but just what does that do for you guys as a whole now moving into the conference? Well, I think
1: the first thing, first thing, when, you know, you, you just look at our current conference in the American athletic conference, the American athletic conference is a great golf conference with South Florida, central Florida, SMU, Memphis, and us pretty much has been the foundation, been the foundation of the conference. And, as it is in the AAC moving into the Big 12 one of the things that that with the Big 12 is part of the reason the conference is so good is because the teams are coached so well they have some of the best coaches in the country coaching Big 12 schools along with the SEC the SEC and the Big 12 are your two best golf conferences period not even there's not even any debate out there and so you know i'm excited because you know As the golf team does, so does everybody else in the building. They've got to raise their bar, and and it's just it's people and coaches that that want to win and are willing to roll up their sleeves and get dirty. And that's really kind of the the motto that I've taken, and kind of our kids have taken. You know, I've talked to them about not being afraid, not having fear of playing anyone. And so um, it's 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 an awfully exciting time, really, to be honest.
0: Golf, golf more than any other sport is mental. Obviously, you have to be physically talented, but there's a, a mental side of it that, because it's you against the course, that's really difficult. As a golf coach, how do you balance that, the 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 mental side of it, coupled with the physical side? Obviously, working on swing and working on yep. putting and the things that you know, but there's there's got to be another side to it as well that's just getting kids ready well, there, the, for that have, mental side of it.
1: Yeah. Once, once, once you get to a certain point in golf from a physical standpoint to where you're learning and have developed all the shots, the, the biggest thing with the mental part of golf is having the ability to get to the next shot and forget about what just happened. You know, you look at the best shooters in basketball, the best hitters in baseball, the best quarterbacks in football, if they throw an interception, miss a shot or strike out, they're looking forward to the next time at bat, the next shot, the next pass. And that's kind of the same mentality that there is in golf is you can't dwell on the past because you can't change it. And we really focus in on, you know, our our emotions, how we handle adversity. You know, I talk to the guys all the time that when you start your round, if you aren't expecting adversity, it's going to come at you hard and you aren't going to be ready for it. So we're always expecting it. And I look at adversity in golf is you have a kid that bogeys his first four holes or birdies his first four holes. They're both, they're both adversity from the standpoint of like you birdie the first four holes. It's like, Oh, I'm on my way to a career round. Or you bogey the first four holes. And it's like, wow, this isn't the way I wanted to start the round or start the tournament. So Um, We we are blessed to, I think, one of the unique things in in our program is my assistant coach, Austin Frick. He got his master's at Tennessee in sports psychology. He has the textbook, kind of the approach to give these kids from a textbook standpoint. And he also was a good player at Francis Marion. Personally, myself, I don't have the textbook knowledge. I have the experience. I have the experience of, hitting shots that meant a lot, both from a money standpoint on the PGA tour. I remember I hit the first tee shot in the Walker cup for our team. I don't, I don't think I was could have ever been prepared for that situation. And, you know, you stand on the first tee and it's like, okay, this isn't about Doug Barton. This is about, I'm representing our country. And that kind of was an overwhelming situation. Fortunately, I hit a great shot, but you know, golf, brings you so many different challenges in the sense also you don't have a teammate to rely on you're out there on an island by yourself and you're either executing and playing well or you're grinding your ass off to shoot a score so um the the, the mental challenges chad are they're they're there they're, they're there and even sam Jean, who's been a great player in our program he continues to work on his mental part of his game and it's something that is extremely challenging for him and you know not that he's you know misbehaves on the golf course but just the things that go through his head being as good as he is really shouldn't get in his head
2: (laughs) so you've, you've been at uc 14 years what's the biggest changes you've seen collegiately in the sport and just in the progression of uc golf from when you started to now
1: I think the biggest thing that you're seeing now is the athleticism of some of these kids. I mean, it, it is, you know, you look across the landscape of college golf and you look at the kids that have played multiple sports in high school. That's something that my assistant Austin and I are looking at when we're recruiting is we're looking at kids that have played multiple sports. You know, the, the Wyatt Plattner from Florida, he was a catcher, a quarterback, and a golfer and William McDonald, who transferred from Arkansas, he was an all state basketball player. Sam Jean was a soccer player. Um, Ty Gingrich played baseball and basketball. So we've had, we're starting to recruit not only good players, but also great athletes. So that's the biggest thing right now. And with that athleticism in golf, swing speed and distance that these kids are hitting the ball right now is absolutely mind boggling I can't even fathom, you know. Just even when we're out of cold stream, we're out at traditions playing, and I look at where some of these guys hit the ball, and it's just it's mind-boggling to me to see the speed. I mean, we've got we've got two guys right now. Probably we've got three guys right now in excess of 120 swing speed, which is one one set probably 174 to 178 ball speed, which is just it's it's absolutely crazy. So. That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing to me that I've seen change in college golf along with just, there's more good players. There's mm-hmm. more good players as far as Cincinnati goes. I think it's just been people in the building, people in the administration that have seen my work ethic, seen my passion for golf, um, I, I love the basketball program. I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time watching Mick's practices. Spend a lot. spend a lot of time watching Wes's practices. I, I learn from those guys. We, we coach different sports. I can't get after my kids like Wes or Mick and other coaches, but it's still it's learning how they handle the players every single day. And, and watching Mick when Mick was here and watching Wes when he's here now you know, those players walk off the court each day and, you know, they may, may be pissed certain days, but at days end they, they love and respect their coach. And that's something that I value with my players. But internally, the continued support and administrators who have the vision that I have, that's what's really changed. And that's where we are right now. I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am to have John Cunningham. He has been unbelievable to my program. He follows our team. Um, I get texts from him as soon as we finish rounds and tournaments. It's just been—it's been amazing to have someone with all the things that are on his plate now for him to follow us as close as he follows follows us. Really means a lot. You
0: weren't There's- allowed to go to practices for two years either, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. I actually got kicked out of one of mixed practices. I know you weren't there, but. Hep and I got kicked out
0: one day. I remember. I remember hearing <laughs> stories about that. It was
1: absolutely have, priceless.
0: There was one day that somebody said the one word that you're not allowed to say. Yep. Uh, at a Mick Cronin practice, and you know what it is, same yep. as I do. Yep.
1: Uh,
0: and he went off for like two hours, and me, Hep, and Marvin. You remember Marvin? Yes, Marvin, I remember
1: Marvin. Yeah,
0: M- Marvin didn't move real well. We had to like slink. <laughs> Down the wall <laughs> to the door uh, to get out is
1: it's priceless. Uh, his practices were some of the greatest entertainment you could ever watch.
0: <laughs> it was it was great. And then for for those that don't know, that's really how I got to know Doug. Yeah, uh, was sitting at mixed practices. And just kind of getting to know each other and watching and, and learning. Why why, why basketball? Has that always just been a passion of yours? So, or? so my,
1: I played high school basketball. I was my dad's point guard. My dad was a very successful high school basketball coach in Ohio, um, up in northwest Ohio, Play, coached at a small school. Uh, we played in the state championship my senior year. Um, really had a great, really, I think I lost five games. This is starting point guard in high school basketball. But I just I, I love the game of basketball. I love the strategy. I love the dynamics. I, I like going to I like going to mix and Wes's practices to watch what they were going to do for the game, and then rather I'm at the game or watching it on TV. I want to see their execution, and and I want to see how the kids respond to you know the other team making changes. Just like in golf, you know, execution is one of the most important parts in our game. You know, we have a game plan every time we go out to play. Can you execute the game plan? It's the same in golf as it is in other sports. But I, I love the game of basketball. Um, I, I love Coach Miller. I love Coach Coronin. I, I think they both um, really, obviously, make unbelievable career. And I think only good things are going to
2: come for Wes. I really believe that. So you guys get things started next week in Puerto Rico for the for the spring season. You are the highest ranked AAC team currently. I assume your goals are win the AAC championship and try to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Is that yep. fair to say? Yeah, I think, I think we've, we've kind of, um, you know, I'm a,
1: I'm a day-to-day guy. And, you know, our, our whole message really when we started in the fall was let, let's, let's get better every day. Let's, let's find a way to when we leave practice or we leave a tournament, we, we, we're getting better. And that, that's, that's gonna be our mantra the whole, the whole semester. You know, we, we really have play with confidence, trust yourself and believe in your teammates. Those are, those, are, those are three things that are really powerful for us this semester. And I think we've had a great off season in preparation. Um, I'm ready to get started. But, again, we, we're we going to play one shot, one hole at a time, see where we finish each week and, and move on. But we we certainly have the talent. We certainly have the mindset and the mentality to really have a good spring.
2: So you start in a pretty, pretty good field this, next week. Auburn's number two in the country. UVA's eight. Duke's 32nd. You guys are 34th. When you're going into a tournament like that, and you play your practice rounds. Are you are you kind of scouting the course and saying like, you know, the weather looks good. We need to be ultra aggressive and try to make as many birdies as we can. Or are you saying like this is a harder course? Yeah, like know, like we, this, we might have to play a little bit more conservative the first round to see how it goes. Like yeah, is well, that,
1: the winds the winds going to blow here, so we we already know that the wind's going to blow. The, the par fives are scores that we're going to, if we have a good week on the par fives, I think we'll have a chance to win the golf tournament come Tuesday afternoon. Um, it's certainly from, this is our first time being here, but all of my pre-tournament prep and and looking at the golf course, trying to figure out our game plan, it it, it all leads me to, we, we have to play the par fives extremely well. And, you know, that's something that's a constant focus with us, but, you know, we're most concerned, you know, when you're playing an, an opponent in, in another sport, you know, your opponent's making adjustments, you're making adjustments. In golf, it's really you're playing the course and you're playing yourself. You're not really playing an opponent because the ebbs and flows in, in golf, you're, you're not playing an opponent, you're playing yourself and the playing the course. So we really focus in on controlling the things that we control and that's ourself
2: you mentioned earlier playing out at cold stream, how you, you have an unbelievable practice facility there. You now have some practice facilities indoor on campus. How much, you know, and, and I know this from following college golf. And I think, you know, I tried out for the team as a walk on at Tennessee in my freshman year, several, several years ago. And it went about as well as my entire freshman year did, if, if you can imagine, but, the The type of player that enters college golf now is just so much different, even than when I was trying to, to make, you know, to play. And how much of just the training and the facilities and just all of that background stuff has, has totally just elevated the sport, even in, you know, the last decade or so. No, no question.
1: And, you know, I, I, I was believed that, a facility doesn't make a player and a player makes a facility and so it's what you do with a facility that makes you become the player like back in the 80s when i was playing collegiate golf there were no taj mahal's like vanderbilt alabama the majority of the sec schools have a lot of the big those were non-existent you had to go out dig in the dirt get dirty and hit balls and again I tell the guys on my team every single practice shot or practice ball I hit at the University of Oklahoma I picked up by hand. We didn't have a driving range where we hit balls and someone else picked them up, and you know that's just that's how time has changed. And you know, it's it's what you do with the facility that you have. And Coldstream, both Coldstream and Traditions provide us unbelievable course setups to where we can get better, and we use both of those courses to the best of our ability to put our kids in challenging
0: situations
1: to prepare them for competition.
0: You also, uh, let's talk about indoor. Yep. The, the simulator stuff. Yep. How much has that changed your process and and how realistic has, has it gotten to play in a real round?
1: We're in the process right now of um, completing a facility um, about two and a half miles from campus, an indoor office space of about 7,000, 8,000 square feet. That's going to have four simulators, about 3,000 square foot putting, um, some putt view technology, nutrition center, recovery room, team meeting room. It's going to be, it's going to be a game changer for our program, but, but to, Answer your questions about the simulators. Trackman is the simulator that that we use. And they, they have it to the point now to where they have a back end um, that we can access as coaches and provide a practice for these kids to execute and work on shots that maybe they're struggling with. So the indoor piece has been incredible. There's a lot of tour players that live in Florida that when they come off tour and it's in june and july it's not really feasible to practice in florida at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon in june or july cuz of the heat these guys have put these indoor simulators in their house and that's where they're practicing and you know the track man technology is so good and it's so accurate that so I think it's great. And what what we're doing now and when this facility is completed in early June, it's going to be a game changer for us as well.
2: So we do have a question in the chat about equipment and the player the guys use their own equipment but like what kind do you guys have do do you have deals with Under Armour, Titleist, Callaway? Yes, so Does that work? We, is that how it works in college? I I
1: was a Titleist guy all through college, all through the PGA Tour. We're we're pretty much a Titleist program. I think we have eight of our ten players on our current roster using the new Titleist driver. Two guys are using Ping. I think we have eight guys using Titleist irons and Vokey wedges and one guy using Ping and one guy using Callaway irons. We play the tideless ball. Uh, It's the best ball in golf. You know, they, they treat us great. They have, we have two guys each fall that come in from that work with guys on the PGA tour and they come in and they fit our guys in all of the newest technology. And so our guys are playing the best stuff. It's fit for them. Couldn't be a better, couldn't be a better situation.
2: Well, make sure you let Chad know when that is and I'll I'll buzz okay. I'll buzz on down there. Okay. Yeah, maybe all right. maybe I can maybe I can just get a head cover and a towel or something, but <laughs> Absolutely. You know. Just cut
0: for the sake of coverage, right, Dave? Just Yeah, I mean it's all yes, for content. Absolutely.
2: Like you absolutely. can set me you can set me up on Trackman and all yep. your guys can laugh at my slow, you know, slow swing speed and ball speed. Kind of an inside golf thing though. And that, the the Trackman is an amazing thing. But how do you get guys to also, stay in the mindset of like playing golf and not playing the numbers and not yeah. getting so minute into like my ball speed is a half a mile per yeah. hour. Like, did yeah. you see that a lot anymore? Like, everybody has the track band set up on the range, and it's like, are we playing numbers? Or are we playing golf? Well, and, and a lot of like, for
1: example, this time of year for us. So, what we will do in our practices is I will take each individual player and it's very time consuming for me, but very beneficial for the player. So I'll have them hit their 60 degree wedge, 56, 52 pitch, 9-8-7 iron. And I'll probably have them hit 10 shots with each club. And I want them to tell me, okay, I hit my 60 degree yards. I carry it 80 yards. And so I'll have them hit 10 shots trying to hit it 80 yards. And I'm jotting down each shot that the ball carries. And then we go to 56. They hit 10 shots with 56. Say they hit their, six, their 56, 95 yards. That's what their carry is. So we're always talking carry yards. We aren't paying so much of attention to path and face. We, we do more swing mechanics outside of the season. We're more doing tracking yardages because, again, when you're playing golf versus practicing, when you're playing – every single shot has a number that you're trying to hit it. You know, you may have 175 yards to the flag, tucked over a bunker. You got to carry it 164 to get over the bunker. Our guys are going to know that's probably a 168 to a 169 shot. If there's no wind, well, they already know what club that is because of the work that we do with TrackMan on tracking numbers. So we, we, we don't have guys on our team really, maybe Sam Jean is probably the one guy that plays swing but he's a 4.0 engineer and he's very very detailed in in everything that he does he's probably the only guy that really plays swing on our team everybody else really just they let it go as soon as the bell yeah. goes to, to compete so we we don't have a lot of a lot of problems with that and we practice a lot of our practices. We don't always go out to Coldstream or Traditions. We don't always go out there to shoot a score. We do different. We have different tasks throughout the round that I provide them with. And and these are things that we want to measure so we can measure your improvement and also the player can see where they're getting better.
2: Well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty pumped up. I wish you guys had uh, an event, you know, this this spring. You know, maybe I can get down to the to Tennessee uh, yeah. for the Van, for the Vandy event. But uh, it's a great event. It's a great
1: event. It's gonna be. It's actually the field's gonna be. The field's gonna be unbelievable there this
0: year.
2: Maybe maybe our cool. our money guy will send uh, send me down there. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. We'd love to have you.
0: <laughs> What's his name?
2: We gotta find one. I haven't met him. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, the uh the the chief financial officer of BCJ Media is uh is a little unable to perform right now. So <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to get her back in the office. She's killing productivity. I, I understand. Before before
2: we let you go though, I do want to yeah. where what is the best way for fans to track tournaments in live action so Golfstat, Golfstat is is a basically
1: it's a live scoring app that that we use and so it's done two different ways so when we start on sunday the live scoring will start as soon as we play and so um they will either cover it every three holes so you play the first three holes and then you give a volunteer all right, I went four, five, three on the first two holes. They punch them in. Or the players, we've been doing some different stuff this year with the players keeping it on their phones, and they do that every, every single hole. You know, the Golf Stat app, app is, you know, unbelievable for parents who can't come and watch their kids. It's a freaking nightmare for me as a coach just because we have five guys on different parts of the golf course and I can't see the whole action. It's the one sport to where you can't watch every shot being played. And it is a nerve wracking. You know, every time you hit refresh on that golf stat, you're like, all right, bring me some good news.
2: <laughs> but, gotta, I got to figure out who I got to go chase down. Yes, and who try I got to get... go
1: chase down. Exactly. Yep. So, um, but we, we have a pretty good system with how we work a um a particular round, so my assistant and I will, we will navigate the golf course. And in college golf, you can do basically whatever you want with the kids, except hit the shot for them. And so we always have a game plan for us as to where we need to be on the course, where we see crucial holes or crucial shots that maybe they might need some advice from us.
2: Yeah, the like I can. Stat,
1: the golf stat's the way to follow.
2: I can imagine, you know, you're playing a par three, and you see two groups go through, and they're all miss, miss yardage. Everybody's leaving it ten yards short of what the target is, and you want to be there to to tell your guy, hey, like there's more wind here than it looks, or you know, something like that. Yeah, we had we had a hole
1: last year, um, r- real briefly. We had a hole uh, where we're going to next week at Colleton River. They had great they were, great course, by the way. Great great course. There's a there's an island green. And it's normally like a 160 yard shot. And the wind was blowing so hard, they moved it up to where it was like a 115 yard shot, which is just unheard of for, you know, men's golf to have 115 yard par three. But I got there and watched a couple of groups play the hole before we came through because I knew it was going to be a crucial hole. And I remember the look of, on my guys' faces when I told them, you're going to watch these other guys hit a gap wedge or a pitching wedge. And the ball is going to get out to where the green is because you're kind of blocked in this area where you're hitting the shot. The ball is going to get out there and the wind is just going to move it across the green into the hazard. And I said, you can't hit it above the tree line. You've got to hit. So we were hitting nine and eight iron on this hole. It's 115 yards and we just flighted our ball down. We made one birdie and four pars and just destroyed the field on that hole, just because our kids, you know, executed what I was telling them to do almost to perfection.
0: Chad, you got anything else? Just great seeing you. Wish hey. you uh, nothing but the best of luck uh, this week in Puerto Rico and in the spring mm-hmm. season. And it's kind of fun to, to feel the weight of expectations, right? Like I, you as know, I, you build this it. thing up, it's I gotta feel it. great. No, I, I love it. And
1: I, you know, I've always had, high aspirations for this program. You know, I finally have, um, you know, I finally have some guys that really can, that really want to compete. They have no fear and they want to get better. And so, you know, I, I'm perfectly okay with the expectations because we're, we're so, we're so laser focused in on every day and what we do every day. And that's, what's important to us. Not looking into the, that that's for other people to look at the future. It's our job
0: to stay focused in on each day and what we're doing. But and I finally, appreciate you what, seeing
1: the future for me.
0: I, you know, that's what I'm here for. Uh, finally, what what's the biggest difference between Mick and Wes? Like, uh, obviously, their temperament and practice is a little, it's a little different. But what do you maybe more? What do you see <laughs> from Wes when you watch his practices that make you think this guy's going to be the right guy?
1: I think what I what I like about what I like about Wes that that and again Mick is one of my favorite friends. You know, when Mick was when Mick walked inside that gym down in the basement at Linder, his guys knew what was coming. And he could be on you like flies on stink for two and a half hours. What I like what Wes does is Wes gets after him. But then he comes back, and I don't want to use the word coddle, but he comes back. He pumps him up a little bit. Yeah, he pumps him up a little bit. Where where Mick, it was just it was one way, and it was one way in that gym for two. And, and again, I think if if you take a look at what Mick is doing at UCLA and if you would have told me what he did at Cincinnati would work at UCLA, I wasn't sure that it would with five-star players. But these guys freaking love him. And I, and I talk to Nick all the time and, you know, I, I see Wes as I think he's put together a nice staff. I think his staff is good. I think once we start to see these players coming in, the new wave of players coming in, I think you're going to see a different level of basketball. And again, without those players, we don't have a chance in the big 12 because of the, where the big 12 is basketball wise. Yep. Right I mean, you know, you look at the Big 12 and you say, okay, where can you go on the road and win?
0: Central Florida. And,
1: right, so, but, but I'm just talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the real teams in the Big 12. I'm talking about oh. the K-States, the Kansas. I know. It's like, you go, it's like, where are you going to go play in an easy environment? There are none. And nope. that's where it's going to be, I think, so important for our people to make fifth, third, Even better than what it's been. Yeah. If it could be like this year's Xavier game, every game, we got. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be. And I always,
0: I was, I always say that Mick, when Mick got mad, Mick would be mad for two days. (laughs) Two days. Like when when you (laughs) saw that switch flip and you knew Mick was mad, it could (laughs) be Monday. (laughs) Mick wasn't going to be in a good mood until Wednesday. Right. No, that's that's a fact. Wes gets mad. I've seen Wes get yeah. furious. Absolutely. But it's in like four minutes, it's like, okay, well, you did I yelled at you. You corrected what I yelled at you about. Right. And now we're good. Like, all right, yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah. Like we I, got to agree. we got that's to the, the finish biggest,
1: line. That's the biggest difference I see.
0: And i, I, I love it's him. I what love I've him talked both. about from his first practice I watched. Yep.
1: I love them both. Yeah. I love them both. Yep. I have a lot of respect for both of them. All right, man, well, go hey, enjoy
0: Puerto Rico as much hey, as you, I appreciate, you can. Hey, I
1: appreciate you guys. I appreciate the support. You guys do a great job. I listen to a lot of what you guys do, and our fans are really fortunate to have you guys to, to really portray our programs the way you do. And I, and as a coach in the building, it's appreciated
0: greatly. We, we appreciate that, and we love getting you guys on and giving as much support as we can. We had Coach Googs couple weeks ago to preview baseball you here to preview golf like we're, we're trying to spread the love as much as possible
1: well i i love it i appreciate it and thank you guys for the time
0: all right good luck thank you coach
1: bring him a trophy yep see you
0: bye-bye there you go doug martin head co- golf coach at the university of cincinnati and people don't understand dave like he was if it wasn't for the back injury we might still be talking about him on the pga tour
2: yeah, I mean he he finished in a lost the playoff to Vijay Singh at the uh, nineteen ninety five Buick Classic six hole playoff. Uh, had two professional career wins on I think what was called the Nike Tour at the time. Now it's the Corn Ferry Tour, so like you know right underneath the PGA. But yeah, I mean just an incredible amateur career to be the number one player in the country to win a national championship, to win five individual titles, runner up in the NCAA tournament, like awesome, awesome player. And this team, man, like people don't realize cause they, you know, you just don't follow college golf unless you're like really into golf. Like they're a premier program. They're a top 30 program, which is a premier program. Like they, they, I'm not going to say should because it's, it's hard, but like they're, they have a great chance to win the conference and they, I don't know how the, I don't know how the exactly the NCAA tournament works and everything, but they've got a shot to make the NCAA tournament. So, you know, and moving into the big 12 is only going to, only going to help them from a recruiting standpoint, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, there's still a lot of good programs in there. Oklahoma state's been a great program. Texas tech's a good program. Uh, Kansas state's in the top 30. So, a lot of – and like you said, they have a super young team outside of Sam. You know, pretty much everybody that contributes is going to be coming back. So, a lot going on with golf. Uh, are you
0: there? You've got to be kidding me.
2: What what am I kidding you about?
0: I, the I, I told you I bet – Money line Penn State Ohio State. What happened? And uh well it, it, it ended. Penn State won 75-71, but Ohio State got five looks from three in the same possession in the final 15 seconds.
2: Oh well, you still won.
0: Yeah, they still won, but it was just yeah. like annoying.
2: And I won very annoying. I, I had Penn State getting two and a half because I asked why they why were they getting points?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I went money line. I'm I'm still, I'm still not. uh, That's even
2: better. You're getting plus money then.
0: I know. I know. I, 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 I'm not, I'm still starting to like get accustomed to this whole gambling thing. It's not something I've ever done. I'm comfortable picking who I think is going to win. I'm no spreads are not my thing. (laughs) Right. Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not ready to dabble into giving anybody points. Or take, like, I'm just gonna bet the game. Yeah. I, I, well, I but that's hard. That's hard that
2: though, because if you think someone's <laughs> gonna win, but they're giving a lot of points, you, your, your payout's gonna be virtually nothing.
0: I know, but, but I'll, I'll get there, Dave. But I'm, I'll,
2: I will, I will guide you. Just so don't listen to Brent on. Young.
0: I heard Brent Brent owes you twenty dollars huh
2: yeah well well yeah you know, was I made the bet so no one owes me anything but he he certainly he certainly led me into into making
0: it download breadthread on your phone or go to the uh the website BetFredSports.com. use promo code bearcat for your bearcat journal promotions while also supporting us here at BCJ. we appreciate that thank you All right, where you want to go? You want to go basketball? Or you want to go football?
2: Sure, whatever. Basketball was last night. We can go there.
0: Yeah, you you took you took the the youngster.
2: Yeah, we he uh, he had a good time. We we made it uh, to halftime. It's pretty but, good. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was a uh, it was a good time. We we caught he caught a uh, skyline gift card. Nice. Which I like which I used which I used today. No, he he doesn't get to use it. uh so no it was it was a good time um got to sit in the in the uh in the big big dog seats because mom and mom's out of town so
0: i looked for you before tip but i didn't see you
2: we were probably getting food for the 50th time
0: (laughs) he likes the food at the games huh
2: well he just likes food in general Always, always got to be getting something.
0: What What did he get? What was the What was the will menu? Oh,
2: pizza for pizza, goldfish crackers, chips, M and M's. Um, I think that was. I think that was it. It's
0: a good thing you had your mom's seats. You probably would have been broke.
2: Oh, we still had to pay for it all.
0: I know, but I mean, you didn't have to pay for the seats. They were your mom's seats. No, yeah. Unless your mom made you. No, she did not. <laughs> uh we Lance was talking Bucky's tonight. So Bucky's, we, I, yeah. I chimed in with Bucky's. Oh
2: yeah, Bucky's is, is great.
0: What's your go-to at Bucky's?
2: Um, brisket sandwich is good. Sliced <laughs> or chopped? Uh I'm a sliced guy.
0: I am too. If the brisket's good, I want sliced.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I don't want you to chop up all that moisture and like i I like the slices. If it's good, yeah. if it's bad, you want chopped.
2: If it's morning, I love the, you know, the, the all the different tacos. Breakfast tacos.
0: Yeah, the brisket uh, get, breakfast tacos. Got to get,
2: gotta get oh. some beef jerky.
0: I'm a sweet and spicy beef jerky guy.
2: Yeah. Um, they have elite beef
0: jerky because it's not like you don't have to rehydrate it in your mouth.
2: You know what? They have incredible of that I'm not sure how many people get. Their chocolate chip cookies are ridiculously
0: good. Are they? Yes. I have to um, I have to put a cookie on the list next time. I, I they, the come, they come they come in like the, the
2: pack of like 6 or whatever. That's fine. Um Yeah, this like the Saratoga type kettle chips. I like those.
0: I like their uh double cheddar like uh they're basically uh Cheetos, but they make their yeah. own and they're With, double yeah. like double sharp cheddar. Very distinct flavor to them. They're very good. But yeah, I mean it's great. You can get their barbecue sauce is very good.
2: Barbecue sauce is good. I get. I've. you had the, the sliced turkey
0: sandwich? I've had the club. The club is awesome.
2: I like the. I like smoked turkey. That's that's a good one too.
0: Yeah, their their club with the smoked turkey is very very good. But now, they you also can't, you can't for those go that go wrong don't know, Bucky's. If you go over to where they sell, some spices, and they sell meat church uh, spices they do. Oh, they they have do. Holy, yeah, they have holy gospel, holy voodoo, and I think he, uh, the the holy cow at Bucky's, which are phenomenal.
2: We're we're yeah we're, we're since we're down this road, I'm a big fan of mixing the kind of the whatever the meat church kind of like traditional rub is
0: the holy gospel
2: with the porker the honey kind of porker the one
0: honey hog yeah
2: yes yes Brian welcome to the Food Network you're you're, you're talking to uh, yeah. If I if I said my my uh everything that I ate today, I, I would be people would be like, oh my god, how are you alive?
0: Let's have
2: it. it. Was not a good day.
0: Spill
2: it. Nope, I'm I'm not doing it. <laughs> We're talking basketball now. One second. But anyway, Bearcats got the win last night in overtime. Hugh big win. Had to get it i really i really did not want to, to come on today and discuss another uh another game where you're up again seven around two minutes to go and can't close it out so i'm very very happy mainly just for my my own personal uh space on this podcast that i do not have to talk about that but <laughs> big time performances especially in overtime from landers Nolly. and and at this point in the season like you know you're, you're trying to stack wins we know you've had a couple where probably should have could have would have gotten away from us but you know i think maybe a lesser team maybe a less veteran team could have possibly fallen into the not a, you know woe is us not again we blew another game and not been able to gut that out in overtime because for the majority of overtime for the first three minutes or so, it was, it was back and forth. Like they needed every basket that they were getting. It wasn't like they
0: just put the hand Nolly for two, done for two, nolly for two, done for two.
2: So, you know, you have this veteran team and this team that unfortunately had been in that situation before. So it was nice to see that, you know, none of those old, Thoughts or, or whatever crept in, but you know, puts them in. I, I mean, they only have two games left. Most teams in the league have three games left because they don't yeah. play for a week, but it certainly seems like it's going to be them and Temple in that four or five
0: game. I mean, that comes down to, to Sunday, really. I mean, Memphis is still has a two game lead, and yes, but Memphis. Play Cincinnati. Yeah, if you win that game, Memphis has to play Houston. So if Cincinnati wins yeah. out, if they win the next two, and Memphis lo- also loses to Houston to end the season,
2: well, then you got to go into tiebreakers because Cincinnati guys- has the
0: tiebreaker in that scenario because it goes to like record against the top teams. Yeah, they would both be zero two in that scenario against Houston. Cincinnati has a win over Tulane. Memphis doesn't.
2: Oh, did they play Tulane twice? Yeah. No, I thought Memphis beat Tulane at home. Uh Uh-uh. Tulane won that
0: game? I believe so, yeah.
2: Oh, I I thought Memphis did. But either way, this isn't the Memphis or Tulane podcast. But, um... But, no, I mean... (sighs) You you had you got into a game where it was it was a weird game because for about Tulane the first...
0: Tulane won Tulane won ninety six eighty nine on January first at okay. Tulane and then ninety to eighty nine on February fourth at Memphis so oh, Tulane so won both swept yeah
2: okay all right well then I guess it's not a foregone conclusion but U C also has now Memphis does have a starter or, or at least a key contributor that's now out for the season
0: yeah and did I, you I, did you hear why oh yeah he punched something and broke his he hand. punched the wall in the locker room after the houston yeah. game broke his hand
2: yeah and then kendrick davis i guess is he is he still out
0: uh i can tell you another right played tonight now, is he playing he is, is he, playing he has 14 points oh in well then I guess, minutes. He's, I guess he's fine <laughs> yes He's 5 of 10 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3, and uh, made both free throws. I turns. mean,
2: you're, you're missing the guy that averages almost 10 points a game on Sunday, so. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that they're a super deep team. I mean, they
0: play way deeper. I mean.
2: They play, but, like, they're, main, like, they're kind of a three-man.
0: Yeah. But they, they can wear you down a little bit just by being able to get guys a little bit more rest than most. Kendrick Davis and, and DeAndre Williams don't come out, really, at all. Right. But everybody else, they do rotate pretty heavily.
2: So, But, yeah, I mean, the game last night, it was interesting because at one point I looked up and with about eight minutes to go in the first half, Tulane was slashing 73, 40, and 100. Temple, you mean? Or Temple. Uh, yeah. But, yet we were only down – I think too. at that point, like three or four. Yeah, and then they got you know they played much better defense in at the end of the first half and and kind of were able to get the lead. But then in the second half, it just every time we would try to run out, something would happen. <clears throat>
0: They'd get you know. Those was officially terrible last night. They
2: were, but you I mean, but they gave them so many opportunities to 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 keep the game close. Like they, you know, I, I sent that tweet out like. Tulane had scored, a, made a field goal for over six minutes and we were still only up five. Like, that's a situation that you've got to be able to take advantage of that at home in a game that you need to win. You can't let that happen. Like, regardless of if you're not getting calls or whatever, like, you can't have a team be able to, to keep it within striking distance over six minutes without making a field goal.
0: A lot of free throws.
2: Well, we made a lot, which, I mean, that's what kept them in the in the yeah. lead.
0: Yeah. Well, but, I mean, just that's what allowed them to kind of hang around is they weren't getting buckets, but uh, Damian Dunn was going to the free throw line pretty regularly. Right. And didn't miss. I mean, he's he, he was he was in his bag, as the kids say. Right. Last night. And I thought, for the most part, they defended him pretty well. Outside of some of the foul stuff, he just made a bunch of tough mid-range stop, hand in his face. Yeah, Dave just called Temple Tulane. Well,
2: we have about three more weeks of ever having to make that mistake again.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to ask Tobler if UC can do add punchable walls. Like styrofoam or put the, uh, the, the noise foam on it right so if you hit it it, your hand doesn't break well just don't punch it how about that Yeah, that's probably the best (laughs) suggestion but um a lot of gutty performances last night because that like outside of overtime landers didn't play particularly well dave didn't shoot it particularly well but they still both managed to get their way up to 20 uh jeremiah didn't have a great shooting night he had his only two threes but he didn't really get many looks though i mean it wasn't like no temple made them play in isolation and when they play in isolation the ball's not moving and then i mean that's when jd is going to be at his best is catch and shoot because the ball's popping temple overplays passing lanes i thought UC did a really good job exploiting that adjusting to that and playing downhill more than they're accustomed to which A defense that's overextending and trying to to push you back, you can get downhill a little bit on them, even if you're not a team that particularly plays all that well downhill. Um, There was still a point in time, like they were terrible from two through most of the first half. They just hit enough threes to to hang around. Um, But they got to the line, they made their free throws, and 30 free throws, regardless of the fact that they went 28 of 30,
2: 've gone like 30 three, we've gone like three games in a row without getting to 30 combined combined
0: right so I thought they they there was really good game plan execution they did what they had to do uh to make temple pay for but this has been a problem that temple has presented in all four games that they've played uh in the West Miller era and I thought last night they did a good job kind of exposing for the first time temple's defense for the way that they were extending and overextending
2: well Uh, you saw in the
0: beginning they were high hedging almost all the way out to half court uh on ball screens, so they were trying to take the ball screen away dave started probing a little bit more Uh, just uh, really good execution of game plan
2: well it helps when you know when you have a guy like daniel skillings that
0: not on the scouting report essentially.
2: Well, but I think that's why that that's been hard for them to to combat the way Temple plays is like they don't have the they haven't had the athletes to take advantage of a team yeah. playing that way right and and Dan showed like sh- has shown the ability and especially last night in the first half like almost to reckless abandon trying to get to the basket. Yeah. Which I'm 100% cool with because, like, you, you're not going to get anybody to stop hard denying and stop the way they, they play defense if you don't have anybody that even, can even challenge that philosophy. And so that's right. where, you know, whether it's him, whether it's some of the guys coming in next year, like, just the overall level of athleticism has to, we, we know it does, but like, he, he showed last night, like, what that truly means in an in-game setting because it's just so much different and so much easier to play defense when you're not scared of somebody just flat-out athleting you and, and getting to the basket regardless of what you try to do.
0: Right. Like, nothing you do matters. I'm going to get there.
2: Right. We don't have any of those guys except for him, really.
0: Yeah. Landers and Dave can both get downhill. They just have to stop. At they have to 10-8. stop,
2: and they need, like, they need like a, a, I don't want to say running start, but like Dan can take it on the wing and almost like a standstill. And that first step is such a big step. And he's so (laughs) quick with it that he already has the advantage. Like Dave can gain the advantage, but it's almost like he needs to be on the move.
0: Put you in a blender, hit you with the crossover and then get downhill.
2: He's not catching it on a reversal. And then all of a sudden blowing blowing by somebody. But no, I mean, it's we, we know what this team is at this point. It's about winning these games in conference, positioning yourself as best you can for the conference tournament, and you just see what happens in a three-game series. And, and they have deficiencies, but you know what? They also shoot the three a lot, and sometimes they shoot it really well, and that's the type of team that is able to go on a run. Yep. Because they typically don't turn it over a lot. They can get hot. They have some shot makers. And that's, that's really, that's all you really, you know, can ask for at this point in the season.
0: It's funny. They're essentially kind of a mid major, right? Like in terms of construction, in terms of like they're a jump shooting team. They pass it well. They can, they can play solid defensively in enough stretches to make it difficult or at least keep the score down and not
2: in a one and done situation. They're a team that you don't want to play.
0: They're kind of like those pesky old mid-major teams that you, that you bump into in the tournament. Yeah. Like a
2: a very veteran team that would roll through their conference and you, you play them in a 12, five game and they're not afraid of you. They got 22, 23 year old dudes that can shoot it. And they just never go away and you don't make some baskets. And then all of a sudden you're they're in the game with five minutes to go. And you're like, how's this happening? And the entire gym, I mean, we've been in that situation when we've been on the other end of it, the entire gym is now rooting for you. And this won't happen in the conference tournament, but this is the type of team that you see in the NCAA tournament. Like the entire gym now is rooting for you and everybody gets, you know, a little more tense and a little more nervous and, you know, I'll in a in a tournament setting I'll always take a team that is can can get some buckets than a team that is gonna lock you down. I mean, we obviously saw that with Mick. Yeah. I'm seeing that right now as a Tennessee fan, their offense is just a disaster. Doesn't matter if you hold teams to fifty. Like if you can't you know, somebody's gonna end up at sixty three and if you can't get there, then you're gonna lose. So we'll see. I mean you guys still gotta go on the road and beat a good Memphis team close it out at home and then just kind of see see what happens outside of Houston like neutral court none of these teams
0: you see can't beat no they've beaten Tulane and they they should have beaten them twice I you know I I would worry like temple seeing temple again does worry me just because that style of play is obviously a problem at times for this team but I mean they were in what in the mid they were at 70 at least to start when they started overtime yeah Um, it was what 75
2: 75
0: yeah so I mean I don't know I I I like where they're trending I like where things are heading I like that they've gotten over this hump because look we've talked about it like winning is learned and this is not a team that has won at a high level over the last four years and it's not a group of guys even the transfers that have done a lot of winning in their careers. You know, maybe the one guy that has is Rob and Indiana wasn't exactly great. They just played in a lot of really close games throughout his career at IU. So he's at least been in those settings. It's not a team that's won a lot. So now you're starting to look at a team that's figuring out how to win. I think you go into the conference tournament of, you know, get these next two if possible what are you
2: looking at how is ucf ahead two spots three spots ahead of uc and ken palm that i, don't know. That I fi- don't know they're 15 and 12 every metric is worse like they're worse offensively they're a little better defensively like that doesn't make any sense
0: no but
2: yeah i mean you have Memphis, I still don't even think two lanes. I think two lanes. Yeah, two lanes behind them. Like, they're fourth in Kempom. In the league? I
0: think so. Yeah.
2: Because Houston's first.
0: Clearly. Uh, Memphis is. is Is Houston still number one overall?
2: Yeah, in Kempom, yeah. Yeah. Houston's 30, or Memphis is 37th. UCF is sixty fourth. UC is sixty seventh. Tulane's eighty fourth. Wichita's one thirteen. Temple's one fifteen.
0: Tulane's eighty
2: fourth. Yeah. They're fourth in the country in adjusted tempo.
0: I don't. I don't feel like they play that fast. They they get shots up quick. I think the other the other thing that 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 impacts that is they don't try to defend at all. Like,
2: no, they're they're hundred seventh defensively. That's not like atrocious. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking
0: tempo. Right, like they're, they're, they're not trying to sit down and they're trying, and, trying to get the ball back. Yeah, they're not trying to force shot clock violations. They're they're trying to get up and down. So yeah, um, it, it's going to be an interesting stretch run for sure. I do think they have done a good job answering the bell on, you know, a collapse at the end of the season, quote, unquote. Right? They 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 knock off UCF on the road. They beat Temple at home. They're at least playing with some momentum. However, this thing does finish. Memphis is tied I'll at halftime
2: you- with Wichita.
0: No, it's uh... – 69-62 uh, oh. Memphis. Oh, this was.
2: Left. I'm, I'm re- going through Twitter. That was like an hour ago.
0: Sixty-nine, <laughs> sixty-four, <laughs> Memphis. Five twenty-five to go. Uh, Davis still has fourteen. DeAndre Williams sixteen. Like a, it's a two-man team.
2: But yeah, it didn't. It didn't just totally melt down. You know, right. after. After UC, after um, ECU,
0: yeah. So, and last year, that's what they saw. Like it, it just fell apart. N-
2: now you know, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I look. I, I don't know. They they ran a set to get Dave the ball. Temple triple teamed him uh, on the on the inbounds didn't let him get the ball. I I don't know what else really with 10 seconds left, you want Landers to do there. He has shown he's not uh a super great passer like trying to play downhill. He's a really good passer, but he's not the hold on. He's not a great passer like in traffic. Yes. No, I mean
2: Yeah, I don't there's obviously still things that they could be better at, but sure. yeah. You know,
0: but in that I, setting, like the 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 primary goal was clearly get the ball to Dave, and Temple knew it. I think, like
2: to me, the bigger issue was the possession before when you're up three. Like I have more nitpicking and more, you know, more consternation to that in the sense of like, you know, we had two timeouts. I get the whole like don't call timeout because you don't want them to like. Set. set up their defense, but I'm a, I'm of the thought like you're up. It's not a tie game. Like you're up three. Make sure you're running the very best set play, whatever you can run. And when when you see that it's not going the way you want it to go, then call the time. Like you don't have to call it yeah, like right which he's away. Done before. Like, when you see that, like okay, I was going to let them kind of play it out, but it ain't going to work doing that. So let's call the time because all you needed there was. Shit, get, I mean, you shot plenty of free throws, so you know they pro- they could possibly call foul. You know, get the ball today. like, it's not a win the game type situation,
0: you it's know. It's extend we, the lead.
2: It's it's basically win the game by scoring, you know. Yeah. Extend the lead, not like a, we need a basket to, t- to force overtime or we need, you know. You know, you were going to get it back again, which they did, so. I you know I kind of maybe would have played that part of the game a little bit differently. The very end, you know, whatever it, it is what it is. But um, but no, I mean, but it's the same stuff. You know, the team we know the limitations, and you just kind of got to do do your best. And I think a lot of guys have stepped up, and you know, Vic Vic clearly whether it was the fouls and not practicing, like he wasn't in in any sort of rhythm and. Getting a good stretch
0: in the, in the middle of the second half where it was like, okay, there's Vic.
2: Yeah, but it, him not being in there didn't didn't kill him. So, you know, we just you see what you uh see what you can do in these last two.
0: Yep, Memphis up uh, 70-64. Oh, that would have drove you crazy. Memphis up 6964 and Wichita goes to the line and misses two. To cut it to uh, what three, cut it to a one possession game with four four and a half minutes to go. Whew. Uh okay, let's uh, let's get to football. All right. Three co two two coaching changes this week, one last week since we were uh, last here. Um tell everybody why should that they should absolutely freak out, panic, and lose their mind. Uh, Because there were coaching changes in in February. I can't do that. Well, Dave, damn it. You're supposed to be the voice of the fan. The fans want blood.
2: I can't tell them to freak out because I don't know what what are you freaking out about.
0: Losing three coaches in a week in February.
2: Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like losing three coaches on a bye week in October. It's February.
0: I just think, like we, like you see, because of this, like there was such great stability of under Fick for a couple years. They have forgotten that this is a period where a lot of stuff happens in the coaching world. Because NFL, this is when NFL jobs get filled. Guys, all it takes is one guy to leave the college ranks to go to the NFL, and then the chain reaction hits of everybody pinging their way up the ladder.
2: It's just, it's the profession, man. They, they get promotions. They, you just hear about it because you follow sports and it's on Twitter. And like, it, it's not any different than, I mean, they got promotions. They, you know, whether you want to call it Derek Nicholson got a promotion, I, I don't know if he's making more I think money. that
0: was probably more going home than I mean, he played at Florida
2: State. He's, he's, you know, he's probably, I don't know if he's from Florida, if he's Yes. You know, but like, you know, my you know, you could go to Miami, like whatever. But like the other ones, Tom Manning had been in the NFL. He clearly wanted to go back to the NFL. I'm not gonna begrudge a guy for that. And and Greg Gasparato got to be a defensive coordinator. Like you're gonna be like mad that he gets to be a defensive coordinator at probably you know, coach okay, so here's the other thing about that. He goes to Troy. Where John Sumrall, I would have been very happy if U.C. hired John Sumrall to be their coach.
0: Yes, you were very high on John Sumrall.
2: So he goes to to be the defensive coordinator at Troy. If they have a good year this year, and John Sumrall gets a job in the SEC next year, who do you think his defensive coordinator is going to be?
0: Or the head coach at Troy?
2: Or the head coach at Troy, possibly.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, like,
2: you kind of you you kind of have to look at like when they're th- when they're making these moves and. And changing these career paths, um, like, what is it lining them up for? Like, I would absolutely want to go be a coach for a guy that that I think is a rising star and still in his whatever, maybe late 30s, early 40s, and and just have one of the best defenses in the country and is now, you know, probably one of the best G5 teams in the country next year. And then we'll see where it goes after that. Like, I just – I don't get – too worked up about it. Like, it, it happens. like, you know, is it ideal? Of course not. You're, you you know, you, you can't tell me. I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, oh, yeah, they're replacing them with even better coaches. Like, I can't say that. One, because I don't know. Or two, that's just – it's probably not being honest.
0: Like, they, the they were – Two, the three guys that left all got promotions, raises. Right. Like, you know.
2: So – um. Yeah, I don't really, I don't get too much into it. Like, I've never met these guys. I'm not going to judge them. Uh, on too much on like the guy you know coming over from Virginia Tech. That roster was an absolute dumpster fire. I don't really care what they did or didn't do on offense last year. Now you. Well, could the actual Tech...
0: word out of Blacksburg is. As they gave him more responsibility, the offense did improve.
2: Great. I mean, their quarterback play was atrocious. That could be on them for recruiting that transfer from Marshall. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it. When Thick was here, like, the next step was to get better players. Yes. So, like, it's not – you can't then revert back to – the coaches like they got to get better players, doesn't Yes, it matters who the coaches are, but like it's still on them to get better players.
0: You're not going to be a good coach with bad players, I don't care how good of a coach you are. That's um, not how it works. Like, there's never been a coach that's won with a bunch of bad players, never not,
2: once. Uh, not that I can. Well, how many? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that to myself. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Uh, but uh, uh, Lamb Big asked me what kind of golf clubs I use and what kind of putter guy are you uh, I am well when I was good I played Mizuno irons and now I play Taylor made because I hit it all over the place uh, and then I am a uh, I think I have an Odyssey Spider 7 so it's not really a blade or a mallet I guess it's kind of a mallet Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, what's in the bag. Always been like a tailor-made woods guy. So for, for all the, like four or five times I actually get to tee it up anymore. So I'm going to, we're going to need to get, have Doug get me out there with those guys. They could, they could learn a thing or two
0: from me. Um, Yeah. What not to do. Uh, MW2 top G, I think could be wrong here, but I think you're about 15 minutes behind the live show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no, I would not want to see UC Ed Temple to the non-conference. A hard pass. No. Because Temple is that team every year that they'll get one or two scalps in the non-conference and then lose to like Bethune-Cookman.
2: Yeah, didn't they? I mean, they do it. All, they've done it several times. They
0: beat Rutgers and Villanova, I think, this year in the non-conference, and then lost like five disaster games. Uh, is he getting Dave? Is Coach Martin getting uh, BCJ Bearcats head covers? We didn't ask well, him that. I don't
2: know. We'll have to. We'll have to look at. I want a golf bag, a towel. What
0: Cleveland. do you have, Cleveland? We've got a Cleveland wedges. Okay, what wedges <laughs> do you carry?
2: Uh, I carry a sixty, a fifty-five, and a fifty-two.
0: Which one do you default to?
2: The fifty-two. I like. Yeah, the gap. everybody's
0: got a favorite wedge.
2: I like the gap. Oh, I almost got my my irons laying big. I wish I had known this. I was down to. Uh, the Taylor Maids, and Strixon irons. So I might have gotten Strixon if, if I knew I could get get a set from you.
0: Maybe you guys can work on that offline. Just, just hit them right. up. Hit them up on the BCJ. Yeah, I, pu- uh, I play so American.
2: much, I definitely need an alternate set of irons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we need BCJ golf merch. It sounds like uh, Lambig is the one to go to for that. Yeah. Well, I mean get just some shirts golf shirts We are 10 days away from spring ball Dave. We are I'm excited are there, are you planning on getting down as much as possible? Oh,
2: well yeah on the yeah for sure on the weekends and everything when I can I
0: but would say it, next week will probably be our spring ball preview show.
2: Yes yeah, so I think that's fair because there's no basketball game either.
0: Right, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dive into uh, to football pretty deep next week. I did. Uh, I ran into Carrie today on the elevator.
2: Oh, how's he doing?
0: He's doing good. He uh, he agreed to come on with us at some point here in the near future. All right. Nothing specific yet, but you know,
2: good deal, good deal. But yeah, we'll have plenty to get into. We got the combine is next week
0: starts are you excited
2: a, starts a week from today yeah I'm, I'm always excited i got that nfl plus subscription ready to roll on the ipad so while i'm working i can can check out all the guys running around and doing all their fun stuff that you know has nothing to do with real football but you know whatever
0: anything else you want to get to tonight
2: uh yeah, let's um, let's talk about how all of a sudden some ads in the Pac-12 are talking, and they don't—the words that are coming out of their mouth don't uh, don't sound too confident. No, it does not. I think it's very interesting that they put out that statement. You know, we're all together, blah blah blah, and then now you have the. Washington State AD basically saying, like, a deal needs to get done. Uh, And then today, the Arizona State AD, who, you know, not for nothing, is a total piece of work, and I don't really believe anything that he says. (coughs) But he said some stuff that was just, like, I'll just read a little bit of it. He says... The context of this is he says that he can't speculate, but he says this right after he speculated. So Anderson, though, believes the resolution is on the horizon with the Pac-12's current contract with the ESPN Fox ending after the season. The ASU leader said that he could see a media deal close in the next two to three weeks, but then says, assurances is a very strong word, guarantees assurances, can you promise? I can't. I can't speculate. <laughs> he just said that he can see it happening in the next two to three weeks. And then says he can't speculate. But there, he had a whole article with a lot of interesting comments. One, it may not be the projections originally contemplated. So it sounds like these guys are finally realizing that George K might have been a little bullish on...
0: The market? So, uh, I want your opinion. How much did the Big 12 screw them by going early to market and and taking a shit ton of inventory from ESPN and Fox that that I think George K probably thought that they were going to get? Or at least get a piece of?
2: A ton. The reason they screwed them is because whether the Pac-12 wants to say that it... That they you know, took a deal they shouldn't have taken like it set the floor it it set the floor in the sense of like espn is getting all these games from the big from the big 12 while already having the acc while already having the sec why would they give them more money than they were going to give the big 12 right same thing with Fox. Without the L.A. schools, Fox, it doesn't make any sense for them to, to be in the Pac-12. But, like, it screwed them just because it set a floor. It's like, you're not getting more than this. And he had said that, <clears throat> he had told them they would be in the $40 million range. Right. And you're ten, roughly $10 million higher than what the Big 12 ended up getting. And so those networks are like, we're not giving you that now. That that's their deal. Right. So, you know, it, it it's just, it doesn't sound good. Again, I'm I've been on the I wanna see it before I really like can grasp how good or bad it is. But I mean now you're now you got Andrew Martian reporting that Apple. Could possibly be in the mix, but Apple's only going to want it all.
0: Right, they're not. They're not coming for.
2: What? What? Like, well, they're like, why would they want to share any of it with ESPN?
0: Right. But ESPN's going to want the best stuff. ESPN's not going to want.
2: That's that is that to me is their biggest problem is. with Fox being out they're going to have some element of it on streaming well if the stream if you're like if you're Apple or Amazon and they're asking you for x dollars you're going to say okay well I want all of these games but if you, but then they still want to play with the ESPN and the is going to say well we're not in because Why would we pay you this for this crap for these crappy other games? Right, I just want the deal to get done because we're kind of to the point now where it's like now everybody's starting to talk, right? Like now you have all these leaks, you got two ads coming out and talking about it, like they're not happy, or else why would they be talking? Sure, and if it was so great, it would. That might. I just keep coming back to like, if the money was there, the deal would be done.
0: They've been on the market long enough that if something was was good, <laughs> they
2: opened they their, their negotiating window it. in July, right? Or I guess technically August,
0: right? Right, right after, to do the,
2: yeah. Right after UCLA and USC jumped at the end of July. I mean, my buddy John Wilner had a tweet from november saying it could be in in weeks and i'm like yeah it's been 15 <coughs> so,
0: those two like those two guys are are the worst right the two johns Catazano and wilner like they, yeah. they're going to they're going to take the worst they might take a worse hit from that this than washington state and oregon state
2: well they've just been talking about it for so long <laughs> and
0: they've been wrong and so regular every every
2: whatever two weeks month you've, they've had to come up with some new way of of repackaging why it's not as bad as it seems <laughs> like i mean at this point like, don't this... you just cut bait dave the streamers are losing billions of dollars a year in an effort to maybe be profitable by, by 2025.
0: Yeah.
2: 40 million people have Apple TV. 24 oh, a and a half number. million people have ESPN plus. Yeah. 76 million people get ESPN. Like, if you want like <clears throat> They're gonna to have to pick one or the other, and I'm I think they're gonna to have to do it soon. Like you're either gonna to have to go almost exclusively on streaming to get more money, but then it kills your visibility, or you're gonna to have to take less money to stay on ESPN and give streaming less than they probably want, which then goes back to what I said. Like, then why would streaming give you anything? <laughs>
0: The Pac-10 needs the bobs, yeah. not the what johns. What exactly so do funny. you do here? Great one, Brian. That's outstanding.
2: And the ton of this was in the works by Larry Scott, but now you're kind of to the point where like, okay, now it is on George K.
0: Yeah.
2: To not be able to get a deal done and to oversell kind of what, what the value is going to be. And I posted this on the board. I'm interested to hear what, what you think. Like, what do you think the number would be where someone would legitimately be like okay this is too low we we're, we're out of here <laughs>
0: 20 25
2: I said like 25 and a half yeah cuz like I don't think they want to leave like for numerous reasons but it's but like if you're making 6 million dollars a year less and your visibility's less like if you're Arizona I'm not sure what you're doing right now. Like, I, people, do people, people don't stay up that late. Do people realize how bad the Pac-12 is at basketball outside of them and UCLA? I don't think so. So, like, if they're stuck in the Pac-12, do you know how hard their non-conference schedule
0: is going to have to be to make up for how bad their 18 games in the league is? I mean, Dave, you could put you could drop a down Gonzaga and Saint Mary's in the Pac-12 and there's a good chance they'd be 3rd and 4th.
2: Why wouldn't they be 2nd or 3rd?
0: Uh UCLA or Arizona are...
2: I mean like moving forward. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm short. talking
0: about I'm talking about right now.
2: Oh, yeah. The only other team that's halfway decent is USC.
0: Yeah. And and they stunk to begin the year.
2: So like Arizona, you're a basketball program. You have a commissioner in the Big 12 that wants to monetize basketball.
0: Yeah.
2: At a much higher level, you have universities, athletic departments that care about basketball as much and maybe in some cases more than football, which is a rarity anymore. Like, why are you beholden to these other Pac 12 teams just because you've played them for a long time? Yeah. I don't get that one. I don't either. <laughs> maybe I, I maybe, can't maybe, wait, maybe, wait until we get our guy Jason on again because he, he loves getting in them Twitter streets like we do. And he gets in them way more than I do. I'm sure he's he'd have some things to say about the way things are going right now.
0: Uh I can't wait for MW2 Top G to catch up. Because <laughs> he's still 20 minutes behind talking about the, the basketball segment.
2: How is he chatting? Live. I don't know it's how he's not... Well,
0: yeah, I don't... Well, like, you just post a comment, like, as you're watching. Oh, okay. Like, he just is typing on post a comment and, <laughs> and typing about what he's watching. It's just 20 minutes ago. Um, G-Max says, 8 million a year difference between PAC and Big 12 is what would cause schools to jump ship. I mean, 8 million a year... Is is so big that that's what the Americans gets? Like that's what the American gets is is seven and a half, eight million.
2: Well, no, that'd be. I mean, they're getting twenty something now. Like twenty. No, 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 no. no.
0: But what I'm saying is the the entire American cut is seven and a half million. Like that's what a whole conference is getting. If that's the difference between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 teams are going to look to jump if it's eight million difference. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're if if you're in the low twenties, I mean, that's that's like basically, I mean, a very very small increase from what they're getting now. And obviously, you're not you're losing it, you know, UCLA and USC, but you're also basically getting nothing else just for the sake of the deal is ten years or whatever newer.
0: Right. It's going to be fascinating because there's a lot of people starting to say within like six months, the Pac-12 is going to be dead.
2: I'm not ready to go that far, but like, I mean, at some point you either have a deal or you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Like at what point do the net, do all these media companies just go like, yeah, we're just (laughs) not going to pay you what you want. We're getting there, right? I mean, I feel like we're there, but like the Pac-12 clearly keeps trying to find someone who will pay them what they want or they would have signed these deals. Yeah. Like, where is this just like all of a sudden things are going to... That's the thing I want to know. What are you waiting on? Like, what do you think is going to change? Like ESPN after laying off all these people and Bob Iger talking about having to be more, like, be more selective? Because if they wait too long, then the negotiation window for the NBA opens up,
0: right? Well, you've got a bunch of like other leagues that are coming to market.
2: Oh, there's huge properties. WWE, NBA, NASCAR, UFC, all coming to market like within the next six months. Yeah. So if you're if you're ESPN, are you paying the Pac-12 or are you waiting to get into the negotiation window for the NBA?
0: And they've they've done a lot of business with UFC. Well sure they got recently. tons of their
2: tons of stuffs on ESPN, tons of stuff's on ESPN Plus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they've got a pay-per-view side to it, also, don't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's it's like, you know, shit or get off the pot, man. Like your deal's at your deal is your deal at this point. Yeah. Do you want more money to go heavy streaming? Do you want to take less money but have more greater visibility? Could you imagine if we were in this situation and you like, we were changing leagues and we're excited to change leagues. But the, but then we were also then like, well, all our games are going to be on Apple. How's that going to help?
0: Right. I don't have Apple TV.
2: Do you? Uh, no. Not many people do. And they apparently I saw an article today. Uh, fewer people like auto re subscribe than any other like of the major streaming platforms. <laughs> Because they say that there's not enough variety in content, which could be a bonus to the Pac-12. But how many of those people are going to stay on Apple just because they got the Pac-12?
0: Yeah, so basically people are signing up for one show, and then when that show's over, they're not renewing.
2: Right, they're not consuming everything that the platform has to offer, like a Netflix or an Amazon would.
0: Interesting stuff. I think it's going to come to a head here shortly. I don't know what no, I mean I I've,
2: I've been watching out for the 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 like the conference basketball tournament. Like if if they go to Vegas without a TV deal and he's got to get up there and talk about what's going on, like what what can you possibly say at that point?
0: And that's like 2 weeks from now.
2: Yeah, so I mean Selection Sunday is the 12th.
0: Yeah. Selection Sunday's in like 18 days, whatever. yeah ted lasso that's it everybody gets apple tv for ted lasso then when ted Lasso's over they cancel
2: then they yeah then you resubscribe
0: which is also why i've never seen an episode of ted lasso unfortunately i know that's going to probably get me stoned
2: i've seen a couple i don't watch tv in general
0: i don't really either i used to do a ton but i don't have time for that anymore
2: I just watch sports
0: yeah same here <laughs> I do. I've watched some of the Star Wars stuff. That's really like the only thing I watch anymore. Um, like Andor was awesome. I don't know if you saw that or not, Dave.
2: No, I don't. I, um, are you talking about Star Wars? Yeah. I've never seen a single second of any Star Wars.
0: I think you would like Andor. Any, like It has maybe, it, any, it has nothing any, to do with Star any Wars.
2: Any spin off, never seen a second of any of it.
0: It was like a standalone thing like it, it's not really Star Wars other than it's done inside like the the universe, but there's nothing about the Star Wars story that has anything to do with the show and or. It was really good, really good. And then you got Mandalorian coming back out next month. I'm excited for that. All right. Next month's going to be hell. Apparently Mo's just not working in March.
2: I have NFL draft stuff next month, so and free. Apparently Mo,
0: I might, I might have to have you on a bunch next month, for real. On
2: what? The
0: like the radio? ESPN fifteen thirty.
2: All right. Oh, I have a, I have a guest, I have a guest lined up for us uh, in the next couple weeks as well. Okay our good friend share, share? yes our good friend now california resident none other than austin gale
0: former bcj employee
2: talked to austin him today BC. told him that uh he'd be happy to know it was 75 and sunny in the queen city
0: <laughs> and he's like yeah it's 82 and sunny in LA he'll be uh
2: he'll be in indy next week but he said once he gets through all that he'd be happy to come on and Talk some combine and some draft.
0: Nice, love me some Austin Gale. Miss having him around. He was he was always good to get on.
2: Absolutely.
0: But yeah, like I think I've got like eleven days in in March, filling in for Mel. So Mel's just not working in March, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking like two to three days off a week the entire month of March. Um, no, not Florida over California any day. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Too uh, humid in Florida.
2: Yeah, I'm with, I'm with GMAC. California don't do it for me. I I love. I wouldn't go to, I don't really want to go
0: to either, but. I love Cali. It's, it's 75 and sunny every day. That's, that's it for me. Just can't wait three weeks left of this AAC conference. I can my, agree. Uh, even though uh, Top G is still talking about the basketball conversation, uh, <laughs> on that I can agree. Yeah, it's too Florida-y in Florida. Well, I agree.
2: My my personality in California doesn't really mesh too well. You're more of a
0: Florida man. I get that. You're I'm more not, likely to end up in the headlines as got some Florida cash. man, dot, dot, dot.
2: I've spent some some years in the in the South. I don't know if enough. I call Florida the South, but you know,
0: no, Florida's just Florida. When you that spend place, as much time as I have in,
2: in Tennessee, it's, it's
0: yeah. You know. <laughs> Dave, I, I I've spent almost my whole life in Kentucky. Like,
2: yeah, that's I, I, that's a that's a you problem.
0: I know. Wow. I love it here. It's great. <laughs> I love it here. Um, all right. That's all I got. I don't really have anything else. Pickle, you got anything?
2: Nope. She's been, she's out right over here. <laughs> so
0: she hasn't, she hasn't gotten any like FaceTime on the camera today at all. She's walked past a couple times. Yeah. <clears throat> she just wasn't feeling diva-ish tonight.
2: No, I don't think so.
0: But all right. Well, we'll see you next week. Should be a good one. We'll get some uh, some preview of spring ball, talk a little uh, combine with Dave, and we'll see what goes from there. This is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail. There's our FaceTime right at the end. Right here on BearcatJournal.com.